Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Calling Tau City, turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message, it was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear, please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm hooning, waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. I'm pointing them to the moon. This is the Starship Sova, everybody. Welcome, hello, and welcome to show 703. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. We've got a story that'll blow your socks off. And it was an originally appeared in Uncanny Magazine 14. I'm talking about Proof of Induction by Jose Pablo Erete. This is all coming in today, sure. I do hope you will stick around and enjoy it. So yes, this story just got me, just hooked me straight away. I'll give you a little heads up about Jose. Jose Pablo Erete is a Cuban-American writer, high school math teacher and parent of two. Their fiction has been finalist for the Nebula, Hugo, Locust and Sturgeon Awards, longlisted for the Otherwise Award and reprinted in various years' best compilations. The debut novel is slated for publication in the spring of 2024 from Nuff Books for Young Readers. Jose currently serves as director-at-large for the Science Fiction Writers of America. Learn more, but frankly not much more, at labyrinthrat.com. Or you can look him up, Jose, up on Twitter, labyrinth, at labyrinthrat. Now, this story is narrated by Bob Hall. Bob Hall is a hermit, author, podcaster, blogger and social media addict. He loves science fiction, fantasy, mysteries, stamp collecting, cactus and most of the sciences, geek and nerd. He lives in the Serrano Desert with his partner. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present. Proof by Induction by Jose Pablo Yarte Polly rushes out of the elevator doors the moment they part, only to skid to a halt at the sight of his father's wife. 
She shakes her head, but he doesn't need the confirmation. If Trisha is out here and not in the hospital room with his father, it can only mean he has passed. He numbly accepts a hug from her. When she releases him, a woman in a tweed jacket clears her throat. Mr. Gifford, we are all very sorry for your loss. Thank you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. He replies automatically, focusing on her crucifix. He swallows. This is probably a dumb question, but what happens now? The chaplain draws herself up. Now we all go back to the room where your father passed, unless, of course, you prefer not to. She begins walking as she talks. You can enter into his coda and say any goodbyes you'd like to say, or ask him any questions you have about his end. Polly follows her, wondering dimly if there will be a fallout from the meeting he had to cancel with Professor Tappert. Polly's father was a professor emeritus at his same university, so certainly they should be sympathetic. He doesn't kid himself about how this meeting was going to go, however. Tappert is on his PNT committee, and with his scant publication record and mediocre yearly reviews, his tenure prospects were already dim. They're even dimmer now. Inside the hospital room, Polly stares. He isn't sure what he expected, but he almost believes his father could open his eyes at any moment, except for the endotracheal tube stuck in his mouth. He's never been this close to a dead body before. Is he supposed to touch it or not? Polly puts a hand on his shoulder. It feels like his father. He grips the bed rail. The chaplain gestures toward Trisha. Mrs. Gifford elected not to enter his coda. If you would like to, you can see him there. Polly eyes the console and cables behind the bed. Is it really him? Yes and no. The human mind remains aware of stimulus for up to five minutes after what we consider to be the moment of death. The coda does for his consciousness what the rest of his telemetry does for his vital signs. Takes a snapshot that we can look at later. The coda allows you to interact with the simulacrum of your father, 
with his memories and personality at the end of his life. She gesticulates awkwardly, as though the topic is distasteful. He can tell you if he had a life insurance policy, where the will is, things like that. The coda cannot change in the way that a person can, however. It cannot learn or grow. Her eyes meet Polly's. Your father's soul is not in there. Your father has moved on. It was early morning when Polly put the headset on, but pre-dawn when he blinked into the virtual environment. He had only left the hospital to go home and get some sleep about five hours before the end. Now he could almost believe he had turned back around and found his father waiting there as though the 5 a.m. phone call from Trisha were just a dream. Gone was the endotracheal tube. The room was eerily silent with none of the sounds he'd associated with the hospital from his visits over the past week. He met his father's eyes. Hey. His father smiled ruefully. Hey. Are you... dead? His father gestured toward the inactive monitors. Apparently so. Does it hurt? Are you afraid he wanted to ask, but... He knew better than to talk to his father about emotions. Nothing hurts, he said, picking at a scab on his leg. I guess they have a way of turning that off. Did the doctors mess up? Should I ask for an autopsy? His father shook his head. Nah, I'm 71, diabetic, with a bad heart. You're not going to win any lawsuits here. It occurred to Polly that CODAs could be programmed to give whatever answer benefited the hospital. Polly stared out the window, over the parking lot, into the eerily empty expressway. I really believed we were close on that Perelman proof. Maybe nobody's meant to find it. Easy for him to say, he'd already been beyond questions of tenure and publication. Now all of that was even more meaningless for him. Polly, though, Perelman would have been the home run his tenure dossier needed. He turned back toward the bed. Okay, well... He put a hand on the chair he'd sat in last night while his father complained about his breathing. He should say something. Something like, I love you, he supposed. But his father had never gone in for the mushy stuff in life. So why start now? Goodbye, then, he finished instead. Bye, Polly, said his father. Thank you for visiting. Thank you for visiting the same as he'd taken to saying every time Polly came to him since his health began to decline last year. Polly waited, hoping this time his father would say something more, until the moment dragged on awkwardly, and then he pulled the interface off his head. What happens to his coda when we leave, he asks, leaning against the counter. The chaplain sighs. The equipment will be cleaned and reused, except for the actual leads that connected to his scalp, which are disposed of. I don't mean the equipment. No, she agrees. After a moment, she continues. The simulacrum itself will be digitally compressed and sent to a data storage facility. Will he be awake? He's not actually conscious now, so no, he will not be conscious in storage. Okay, well, I suppose that's... Mr. Gifford? Polly lets his vision rest on the blinds, absent-mindedly counting. Three straight blinds, two twisted, five straight. The rest in a mass, discreet but not countable from here. Three, two, 
and 5. Prime numbers, 2 that add to a third. Can he think creatively in the uh, simulation? I mean, can he do math? Can he have insights? Again, that's not your father in there. That's a slice, yes, I know. A snapshot of who he was in his last moments. Last night when I was here, he was arguing with the nurse about whether or not he should have to wear that oxygen mask. He was capable of thinking critically right up to the end. The chaplain winces. I hate to remind you, but he was mistaken. Polly nods. He was no doctor, but he was a mathematician. Can his coda still think mathematically? I suppose, Mr. Gifford, I'm no scientist. Polly pushes off from the counter. I'd like to take him with me. That should be possible, right? She bites her lip. This hospital is affiliated with the Presbyterian Church. While we are not opposed to the coda on a theological basis, obviously our ethics committee has concerns when it comes to the appearance of attributing personhood to what should be a temporary means of gathering information and comfort. Polly crosses his arms. If it's not a person, then it's data. I'm next of kin, so the data should be my property. Technically, his wife is next of kin. She holds up a hand at Polly's intake of breath. It is possible to take ownership of the simulacrum with the proper paperwork, if his wife agrees. You would be billed for the computer and interface, and insurance will not cover the expense. But, Mr. Gifford, I don't recommend it. The healthiest thing you can do is move on. Let go. He meets her gaze. Thanks for the advice, but my mind's made up. Gina wraps him in a hug when she comes home from work. I'm so sorry, she murmurs. I assume you told Maddie. Yes. How did you take the news? He thinks back to his daughter's return from school. How much harder she took the loss than he, even though he's the one who lost a father. Not well. She's up in her room. Gina eyes the computer console on the coffee table. What's that? The hospital let me take his coda. You mean he's in there? Kind of. Not really. She shudders. Wow. Okay. If this helps your grieving process, then I'm all for it. It's not about grieving. What then? The Perelman hypothesis. She frowns. I thought you'd given up on that when your father retired. He only retired from lecturing, from office hours and meetings and committees and grantsmanship. You never retire from thinking. We were working on it together. It was going to be his last big result. Polly, people have been trying to prove that conjecture for 90 years. Whoever finally does will be some grad student in their 20s, using techniques that don't exist yet. We were close, Gina. I know it. She meets his eyes and holds the glance a long time before replying. And you think you're going to accomplish this by spending time inside a computer with your father? He winces at the inaccuracies, but he doesn't correct her. I think so, he says instead. Okay, Polly, she says, though she shakes her head. But do me a favor. Keep it in the den, okay? I don't want Maddie anywhere near it. I don't want her confused about whether Grandpa's really gone or not. Just let her grieve. The hospital room was dark once again in the simulacrum. Hey, thank you for visiting. He nodded at his father. He nodded at his father. 
Do you remember me uh, visiting you here before? His father seemed puzzled. You mean last night? Yes. No, I mean here in, in this thing, in your coda. The last thing I remember is not being able to breathe and my chest hurting like a motherfucker. And then I was sitting up with all the cables and hoses off and you walked in. Do you understand that you're dead? His father nodded. Either that or I'm suddenly cured. What's the square root of I? Polly's father stared. What? The square root of I in any form you like. Polly, why? Trying to see if it's really... Polly turned away, his fist clenched. They say this simulacrum knows everything you knew at the last moment. This is something you could have done in your head. Okay, Polly. 1 over root 2 plus i over root 2. And it's negation. Or would you prefer the answer in polar form? Polly breathed a sigh of relief. Okay, so I've been working on Perelman. Help me find something to write with. He started digging in drawers, but all of them were empty. Are you serious? He looked at his father. Don't you want this? What? We could still have that breakthrough. One last result to rock the mathematical world. Make everybody learn your name. His father smiled faintly. Your name, too. Polly put a hand on the bed. Your legacy? My career. There's something for both of us here. Do you have anything better to do? I guess I really don't. He returned to searching the room, but every compartment was empty. Nothing existed in this simulation except what could be seen on the surface. Finally, he hit upon the dry erase board the shift nurses wrote their names on. He pulled a cap off a marker and tested it, half expecting it not to work, as in the real world. To his relief, it left a clear line on the board. That's not a lot of space, said his father. No, he agreed. I can't bring anything in with me or take anything out, though. Whatever we come up with has to be in small enough chunks for me to remember and replicate in the replicate outside. So, it's just as well. Okay, show me what you have. Polly started filling the little board with equations. We know how to generate particular examples. Trivial solutions, his father interrupted. Perelman referenced a dozen himself in his publication. We can't enumerate an exhaustive set, though. Polly nodded. Right. Now, before you went into the hospital for the first time, we had taken the approach of looking for a relationship between the cardinality of the Rishi set and the number of solutions it generates. We started by considering finite sets. His father rubbed his forehead. I vaguely remember, but this was right before things went downhill. That's fine. I've been working on that without you, so we don't have to repeat it. We only need to figure out the next steps. I've been approaching it as a series, trying to tie the value not merely to cardinality, but to its H value. This feels right to me. His father perked up at that. Not an equation, he said. A series. Right. Call it H and see what it converges to as N approaches infinity. Gradually, the board filled with arrows and sigmas and integrals. I wish we had a bigger board, Polly said. Right on the wall. What are they going to do, yell at us? Polly stared. God damn, that's brilliant. After another hour or so, they hit a dead end. 
If we had a generalized solution for hyperbolic equations, Polly's father began. We don't, though. No, but look up Brumbaugh manifolds. Doug Brumbaugh was working on this the last time I saw him. He may have made some progress. Okay, that's something to try. I won't be able to hold much more in my head anyway. I bet if you talk to the company that makes this, they can find a way for you to email yourself from inside or something. No way, Polly said. I don't want anyone to know what we're working on here. I don't want someone to go find every mathematician who's died in the last five years and hook up all their codas in some kind of screwed-up massively parallel computer and beat us to the punch. His father's eyes widened. Shit. Yeah, only a matter of time before somebody else thinks of it, though. So you might as well be first. Polly chewed his lip. Do you not want to do this? Do you think this is wrong? He grinned ruefully. What do I know from wrong? Polly dropped into the bedside chair. What's it like? What? Being dead, but being conscious. Does it make you upset? His father shrugged. It is what it is. You had plans, Polly said. You were going to remodel the house. Guess now I'm not. Polly gripped the bed's footboard. Don't you feel anything at all? He couldn't remember if his father had ever had a feeling in his damned life. Would it change anything? Polly flips through images on a tablet in the mortuary office. Somebody told me you had an option to put a coda interface in the niche with his ashes, but I don't see that here. Next to him, Trisha winces, but she schools it quickly. We don't include coda ports in the regular lineup, the funeral director says, but yes, it's a choice we offer. This is not a service that has caught on yet. Many people find the idea disturbing, as though we are preventing our loved ones from moving on, or preventing ourselves from moving on. If you elect to equip the niche with an interface, you will have to choose the special columbarium we have set aside for that. It's uh, not near the other niches. Polly glances at Trisha, but apart from insisting on a fancier urn from her husband, she lets him make all the decisions. Do it, he says. At the cemetery, Polly kisses the urn, and Trisha does the same. Then he watches as an employee places it into the columbarium and closes the marble cover. A minister, selected by her side of the family, drones on. As far as Polly remembers, his father wasn't religious, but this isn't for his benefit, after all. On the way to the car, he grabs Maddie and pulls her into a tight hug. You know I love you, right? She sobs and nods against him. You know I'm proud of you, right? Polly, Gina says, you're upsetting her. I just want to make sure she knows. Hey, his eyes adjusted quickly to the dark. Hey. His father gestured at the silent equipment by the bed. Guess this is the end. I had an insurance policy. There isn't much, but it should pay for a cremation. Trisha should be able to find the paperwork. You're the beneficiary. Yeah, we took care of all that. Oh, how long have I been gone? He stepped over the, to the dry erase board. About three weeks. Then what are you still doing here? We've been working on the Perelman hypothesis. Are you serious? Polly uncapped a marker. Don't make me go through it all again. It's 50 degrees out. We only have so much time. 
and I need to walk you through what we came up with last time. Trust me, you're on board. His father blinked. Okay, then. Go ahead. The clock on the wall ticked off seconds, while the hour and minute hand relentlessly pointed to eight minutes after five, the entire time it took Polly to run through the connection to hyperbolic equations. I reached out to Professor Brumba, like you said, but he pointed me to the Jagadish Rajput conjecture. I haven't heard of that. Are they working on Perelman also? No, they're working on node forms, but their conjecture is that hyperbolic equations correspond to node forms. They've tested several hundred terms using a supercomputer, and they've all checked out. His father shook his head. How's that help us? Node forms converge. Supposing we can prove their conjecture, we can use that to prove Perelman. This isn't math. This is grasping at straws. The supercomputer says it works. So what? That's not theory. Where's the proof? Polly capped the marker, even though he suspected it cannot dry out. Don't you see? If the correspondence holds, then are you trying to give me a heart attack in the afterlife? Do Jagadish and Rajput have the basis for a theorem, or just a coincidence they can't explain? Even Euler had conjectures disproven after 300 years. Well, fine then, Polly lowered his voice. Fine. Help me find a counterexample then. Or better yet, help me prove Jagadish Rajput true, because that proof will make us both famous. His father crossed his arms. Fine. This conjecture is bound to have consequences for other node forms. Maybe a proof by contradiction is our angle. Polly and his father toyed with a variety of extrapolations, looking for a counterexample. At least the false starts could be erased, and Polly wouldn't need to remember any of them when he got out of the coda. All he needs to remember would be a working approach, if they found one. The department voted on my tenure application this week, he said during a break. They voted to advance it to the dean. Polly suspected strongly the vote was not unanimous, which voted poorly for the next level of the process, but he kept that part to himself. Huh. Huh. That was it? You could congratulate me. You could wish me luck. Okay. Good luck. Thanks, Polly muttered. He added a few more lines to the board. Maddie has a dance recital next week. She misses you a lot. Wish her luck, too, then. It's just, it reminds me of my piano recitals. His father leaned on this bed railing. Is that what this is really about, Polly? Are you here to tell me I was a shitty father? I know. I've already acknowledged that after the divorce. Polly dropped into the chair by the bed. No, he said at last. Sorry. I keep thinking of what other people use the code of technology for and I keep waiting to hear you talk about something besides math or life insurance. I keep hoping you'll have something profound to say. I'm not the mushy type. You could fake it. You're the smartest person I ever met. You would see through any faking. Polly blinked. A compliment. I wouldn't have blamed you if you didn't want anything to do with me, his father went on, after not being there for you as a kid. But then you made me a part of your life, and we got along okay. You treated me like a colleague, so I tried to treat you the same. Now you're mad at me for not acting more like a father? I didn't think you wanted that from me. Polly waited to see if he would say anything else. 
That was about as close to mushy as he'd come since the night twenty years ago when he'd apologized for abandoning him. After a quiet eternity, he got up from the chair. Okay, well, I think I have enough to work on for now. I'll come back when I have some more progress. Bye, Polly. Thank you for visiting. Jesus, Polly. I don't mind driving home, but if you puke in the car, you're cleaning it up. Polly clinks his empty wine glass against Gina's still full one. The free wine is the only thing that makes these parties worth attending. She rolls her eyes. Our holiday parties at the Olive Garden. You should appreciate what you've got. He smiles. I think that's what I just said. Just pace yourself, okay? It's a deal. She gestures toward the food table. I'm going to get some crudités. You should get some food in you, too. I will. As she walks away, his phone buzzes. Polly takes another glass of wine from a server and heads to one of the standing tables. His pulse quickens as he reads Jagadish's name in the sender field. He skims the text, but the message is too long and too dense to try to absorb on a tiny screen. The sooner he can leave this stupid party and go home, the better. Dr. Gifford! He tears his eyes from the screen to meet the gaze of his colleague, Professor Hewitt. Her expression softens. Have you been holding up, Paul, since, well, since your father? I'm doing all right, Maria. She nods and is silent for a moment, as though considering. Finally, she plunges on. How's your research going? Anything promising? I know a bunch of us have been hoping to see something new from you. Did I hear you say Paul's working on something new? Shit. Dr. Tappert, the senior professor, changes course to join them as though pulled in by a lasso. Polly chugs the rest of his wine as much for a moment to think as for an excuse to look away from Tappert's idiot face. Yeah, he says at last, I'm looking into Jagadish Rajput. Oh, says Hewitt, I met a Peruvian mathematician at a conference who was working on that. His name is Sagami. You should reach out to him. Polly nods. Thanks, I'll look. Wait a minute, says Tabbert. I remember reading something about... Please tell me you're not still tilting at the Perelman conjecture. Polly's throat tightens. It's a perfectly valid area of research, he spits out. He steps away from the table and flags down the server for another glass, hoping to lose Tabbert in the process. No such luck. Dr. Gifford, the older professor says, resting a hand on his arm. Perelman's a valid area of inquiry for a young man, maybe, or for an old man playing at being a professor emeritus, not for a mathematician seeking tenure. Hearing Tappert's disavowal of his scholarly value is all the confirmation Polly needs. No way he had signed off on Polly's tenure application. I disagree, Dan. I have a lot of respect for people going after tough things. After all, that's kind of what math is about. Turning to Polly, she adds, Going after Jagadish Rajput is perfect, too, because if you don't make it all the way to Perelman, at least there's an approach that can get you some intermediary results. You just can't go silent for this long a time. Tappert shakes his head. It's a fool's errand. Paul, I hated to watch your father waste his later years on this, but not nearly as much as I hate to watch you throw away your career. At least your father had tenure. Polly slams his glass down on the table. I really don't need you to... The gas goes up around him, and Hewitt points at his hand. Dr. Gifford, 
Polly looks down to realize that he has smashed the wine glass and lacerated his hand. The moment he sees the blood, the pain sets in. Some police procedural matters away on the big screen in the living room, but neither of them pays much attention. Gina makes incremental progress on her cross-stitch, while Polly rubs the label off a bottle of beer and lets his mind wander. The officers on the screen with their private dramas and backstories make him think of his father, alive again in the hours Polly spends in his coda, and non-existent when Polly looks away. Or maybe the experience is more like a very lucid dream. Polly hopes not, given how many seemingly profound middle-of-the-night insights have turned out upon waking to be nonsense. Then again, he's basing all his hopes on the assumption that deduction works the same in CODA as outside of it. No, this is beer-fueled nonsense. The whole point of deduction is it works for any set of starting assumptions. It doesn't matter where there's spaces Euclidean or not. What matters is what axioms you proceed from and whether your logic is rigorous. A theorem that's true in the coda is true outside of the coda. And if it turns out this life is a simulation, as Polly has seen posited online, Perelman is just as true in the reality outside this one, even if it's simulations all the way up. Induction. Polly is certain that if the deductive process is solid for a reality n, then it is equally true for a reality n plus 1. If he can prove Perelman in coda, he'll have his n equals 1. He'll have everything. On the coffee table, his phone buzzes with an incoming notification. Don't, Gina says. Polly checks the screen. It's my work account. I know. I always told you it was a mistake putting that app on your phone. This will only take shit. What's wrong? The dean's office updated my dossier. He swallows. The School of Arts and Science has denied my tenure application. The television goes to commercials, the volume seeming to double. He can't think. Gina strokes his forearm. What are you going to do? He sighs. I can ask my chair to appeal, take it to the provost, but as things stand right now, I don't see a reason why he would. What then? I've still got a year on my existing contract. After that, he shrugs. With my evaluations and fizzling research, I'm, I'm probably not looking at a tenure-track position. I could teach community college or high school, or somehow find a job in industry, but hell, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Being an academic is all I know. She mutes the television. Oh, God, Polly, please don't tell me you can't find something around here. Gina manages a non-profit educational foundation. Polly can't even guess at what starting over would look like for her. I want to support you, Polly, but you have to understand that's asking a lot. We've still got time before we have to worry about that. He takes a breath. I still have one chance. What do you mean? If I can prove this thing... Technically, I'm past the deadline to add publications to my dossier, but Perelman is such a big deal, I'm pretty sure they'll find a way to let me. She runs a hand through her hair. Is this, is this about the math or is this about something else? What else would it be? She takes a breath to answer, then stops and faces away. Polly considers repeating his question, but then she looks back at him. Is this about living up to your father? Or about proving yourself to him? He swallows. It's about the math, Gina.
It's always been about the math. We're close. I know it. She nods slowly. Okay, Polly. Prove your theorem, then. He stepped into the darkened hospital room. Hey. Hey. Polly ran a hand along the back of the chair by the bed. You got a nice uh, write-up in the AMS proceedings. A lot of mathematicians said some pretty amazing things about you. I'm not going to see it. Makes no difference to me. No, I guess it wouldn't. You never were the mushy type. His father chuckled. You can say that again. Polly erased the shift nurse board. I know you don't remember, but we've been trying to prove the Jagadish Rajput conjecture. The what? Polly began filling the board. I'll catch you up on the broad stroke. They were approaching a point of diminishing returns. Every visit was going to have to begin with Polly summarizing all their past conversations, as well as the work he'd done between visits. There would come a point where recap would take all the time he could reasonably spend in the coda. Then he would really be on his own. We should consider a proof by contradiction, then. Polly shook his head. I tried. It hasn't gotten me anywhere. I reached out to a mathematician named Sagami, who's been working on a proof by induction, though. It's trivial for n equals 1. Of course it is. Can you prove it for n equals n plus 1, though? Show me what you have so far. Polly cleared the board again and filled it with differential topology, via groups, and half the Greek alphabet. What about Suarez theory? How's that apply? It's about group automorphisms. We might be able to apply it to these villa groups of yours. Walk me through it. Polly took notes while his father dictated, stopping to ask for clarifications or to offer his own suggestions. The little board got cleared four times, each time a chance to mistranscribe something or miss an assumption. But finally Polly capped his marker and stared at their work. I think, he swallowed, and tried again. I think we just nailed down Sagami. Looks like. Polly wandered toward the window with its pre-dawn view of the empty expressway. Softly, hardly daring to say it, he added, And that gives us Jagadish Rashput. Which takes us to... Somewhere he had raised his voice to the point where he was practically shouting. He turned back to his father. To Perelman, he concluded in a more conversational tone. That's good, his father said. Good? Holy shit, we've slayed the dragon, and all you can say is, that's good? His father shrugged. Polly, I'm dead. The moment you leave, I'll forget we even had this conversation. I can't get all emotional about this. Polly sagged into the visitor chair. What was your excuse before you died? He muttered. What? Nothing. Fine. Polly met his eyes. Anyway. Yeah? I was just... I mean, I should go. Try to write this up before I forget it all. Makes sense. Maddie misses you, he blurted out. And Gina. Gina sends her love. His father nodded. Maddie had her dance recital. She did great. She was graceful and competent. She didn't get that from me. I was so proud. That's good. Polly stood. Yeah, I should go. I was wondering if there was anything you wanted to say. Uh, bye, I guess. 
Thank you for visiting, Polly. Maddie squeezes cement on a plastic wing, making the clear liquid beat up. Not so much, Polly bursts out. He reaches for a sponge. Here, let me fix it. Dad, you said you weren't going to take over. This is my model. Polly puts his hands up in surrender. Fine, do it your way. Maddie frowns, chews on her lower lip, and attaches the wing. He experiences an odd sort of reverse deja vu back to his first chemistry set, working through the experiments in the instruction manual, or rather, watching while his father worked through the experiments. Polly winces and rests his hand carefully on his knee. Then he does the one thing his father never would have done. You're right, he says. I'm sorry. Keep going. Maddie snaps the next piece of plastic off and trims a bit of flash from it with an exacto knife. Mom showed me a vid about your, um, the math problem you solved. Are you famous now? He smiles. Famous among a very small group of people. That's still something. I bet you feel super proud. Polly doesn't answer. He's not sure what he feels. After spending decades imagining the aftermath of proving Perelman, it's possible he burned out his ability to feel anything at all about it. Reality can't match all he imagined. Maybe I could be a mathematician, she says. I'm good at math. Grandpa said so, too. You definitely are, he says. Funny how his father could say to Maddie the things he couldn't say to him. Maybe it was easier when it wasn't his direct offspring he was talking to. He squeezes his shoulder, the N plus one to his N, just like he was the N plus one to his father's N. Polly frowns. What conjecture would he be hoping to prove? That mathematical talent runs in his family? That's trivial. He thinks instead about the things he wishes he could prove. Did his father feel anything for him like what he feels for Maddie? Deduction is useless here. Maddie holds two pieces together and blows on them to dry the cement. Is it true your university gave you back your tenure? She says. She says the word awkwardly, like she's testing out the concept. Does that mean you can't be fired? It's a little more complicated than that. Close enough, though. She swallows. So we don't have to move? She focuses on the model with faux intensity. Polly shakes his head. We never decided that we were definitely moving. But now we're definitely not? Polly picks up a brush and taps the back end lightly on the table. We're still talking about it. Still avoiding the subject, if he's being honest. Maddie nods and attaches another piece. He accidentally fumbles the brush. How about you? What do you want? I want to stay, she said. All my friends are here. Everything's so simple from her perspective. Polly doesn't know what he wants. Since his proof, since their proof, passed through peer review, the math world has been buzzing with the laying to rest of a decade's open question. He's gotten informal offers from schools across the country, including a couple of top 20 departments, and sure, his own university. Does he really want to stay someplace that hadn't wanted him? On the other hand, Gina has her career and Maddie has her whole life. He squeezes her shoulder. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'll make you a promise. We won't decide anything without talking to you, okay? Okay. I love you. Love you too, Dad. He entered the hospital room and marveled at how unchanged it still was after all these months. Hey, his father said. Hey. 
He shivered, the hospital's cool 70 degrees feeling like an ice bath compared to the warm day outside. Not going to remember this, but we proved Perelman here in Yerkota. His father's eyes widened. Really? Now that's something. Polly nodded. Got it published. Both our names are on it. It's all anybody can talk about. Not just the proof, but, uh, proof by simulacrum. I bet that'll shake things up. So that's two things you'll be remembered for. I'm not actually sure which will have the bigger impact. That's something. Yeah. Two men fell silent. You don't, I mean, you can't remember any of the things we talked about, can you? I'm sorry, Polly. The last thing I remember is not being able to breathe. Polly shook his head. No, yeah, that, that makes sense. Did you find the insurance policy? Yeah, it took care of everything. Thanks for having that. Good. Polly fidgeted with a rod for the blinds. Is there something else? His father asked. No, I guess it's exciting, huh? I suppose. I mean, I don't get to see all that. I just thought you might be... His father inclined his head. Might be what? Polly walked around the bed. No matter how many times I come back in here, you're never going to say the things I want you to say, are you? What do you want me to say? Never mind. Look, it's blazing outside. I have to get back in the car or I'm going to get sunstroke. His father nodded. Goodbye, Dad. The word tasted funny on his lips. He didn't think he'd said it once since his father came back into his life two decades ago. Bye, Polly. Thank you for visiting. Polly runs the air conditioner in his car for several minutes, letting it cool down inside. While he waits for the temperature to get comfortable, he checks his phone. The congratulatory emails tapered off weeks ago. In their place is a grocery list from Gina and a drawing of a horse against a backdrop of hearts and stars from Maddie. Finally, he puts the car in gear and rumbles off, watching the columbarium disappear in the mirror. And there you go. Big thank you to Jose. Jose, thank you so much for that. That was just a fantastic story. And Bob just loved that narration. Thank you indeed. So that is Starship Sofa's 703 Put to Bed. I do hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly have. Until next time, just like to say good night from me. Thank you, Chris. Anytime soon, can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio, I wanna talk to you. This signal's going light speed. By the time I get my say, I might already be on to you and on my way. But you're so far from here. I'm moving slow So I'm waiting on your call At home with nowhere to go Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio I want to talk to you I want to talk to you
be on my way. If I could cast myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there, out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there, out there by and by. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.